Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 14 of No One's Ready for Wrestling, which is your opinionated wrestling topic podcast where I just talk professional wrestling. I am your host, the one, the only Phoenix that rises from the ashes, Shino Phoenix here, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode and continued support of this podcast um, I want to make this announcement before we start the show, before we get to the usual introduction. I have offi- I have officially got a t-shirt of the No One's Ready for Wrestling merch on Redbubble.com. And I want to thank my cousin for this because he actually hooked up someone that knows how to make a shirt. And now it's on Redbubble.com. So how do you get this shirt, you may ask? Just simple. Go to Redbubble.com, type in No One's Ready for Wrestling, and... Boom, you'll see a coffee, of course you'll see a mug, but there's other products besides the mug. There's an iPhone case, there's Samsung Galaxies, there's, um, of course, the clocks, there's laptop skins, a sticker, and of course, your t-shirts. You can get it in any color, just go to the available products, go to the t-shirt section, and bam. You get your t-shirt, it comes in different colors, and if you buy the t-shirt now, I shout you out on this podcast. But, uh, also, we want, I want to thank my cousin for that, so, of course we can't start the show without our great sponsor, an Anchor. Of course, Anchor is one of the best places to start your podcast, it's 100% free, it's easy to use, and not only that, they distribute your podcast no matter where like everywhere from iTunes to Podbean to Stitcher to Spotify and many other platforms that you can listen to your podcast on. Why Anchor? Why Anchor? Why do I always feel Anchor is the best place to start your podcast? Why should Vince McMahon have to step? Why Vince McMahon needs to step down? Simple. Anchor is really free. I signed up. My cousin got me into it. It, like I said, it distributes your podcast on listening platforms, and, and it will take time. I will let you in on that. It will take time. And it's not like a rushing game, but it's not like you're rushing to make it to Apple, iTunes, or any other platform. I just like to do it because I care, you know? But I signed up. It's 100% free, and I know I'm wasting my time rambling, <laughs> but it's got to get them on notice here. But it's really easy to use. You can edit your show. You can add transitioning effects. And boom, you're done right there. So if you want to start your podcasting, if you want to start podcasting, you can talk about wrestling, video games, anime, other sports like basketball, football, soccer, um, music, and any other things. Anchor is the best place to start. So go to anchor.fm slash start. It's really easy to use. I memorized it on the back of my mind. It's anchor.fm slash start. Follow me on Twitter. As you know, D Phoenix, you guys are absolutely killing it right now. We are nearing 600. I'm about to say 600 subscribers. We're nearing 600 followers on Twitter, which... I'm really enjoying and I love meeting new people on Twitter, depending on if you're not toxic, okay? But I love I love Twitter. I've been using that a lot more than I am on Instagram, which which is a cool man sip by the way for those who don't have an for those who have an Instagram. I use Twitter more often because it's really easy it's really fun and I like being around the wrestling community and it's constantly growing and that's what I like, you know. But follow me on Twitter. Let's reach 600, and we're near at we're near to 
1,000. We're getting close. We're getting there. So keep on supporting this podcast to all my followers out there. And follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. Like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. For updates. And I got one question for you guys. Are you ready for this podcast? Because I am. And I want to talk about New Japan. Oh, man. I've been waiting for this one for a long, long time. I've been watching uh, Best of the Super Juniors, which you should be watching because it is awesome. And I'm going to quickly go through every single match from night one to night five. And I watched night five recently. So um, so we start off with Tiger Mask versus Takamichi Noku. Ta- now, the story here from what I remember is Tiger Mask's knee. So, But we all know Tiger Mask, he could go through anything. <clears throat> but Tiger Mask, he beat Takamichi Noku and... I love the resiliency. I love the never give up, never say die attitude of Tiger Mask. And that was just absolutely awesome. Uh, Teton, usually it's Titan, but it's Teton. He beat uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru in a really good match. We have Marty Skrull beating Jonathan Gresham. He's, of course, he dislocated uh, poor Mr. Octopus's fingers with a snap. And... He beat him right there. One of the best matches that I honestly think in night one is Shingo Tagaki versus Sho. First things first, I love Sho's new entrance team. And he brought Shingo Tagaki to his A-game. Now, for those who don't know Shingo Tagaki, he's never been pinned. He's never been submitted. And he's currently on an undefeated streak uh, on in New Japan right now. So, he's one of the heavy favorites. So... There was one instance that I literally thought Sho was going to beat uh, Shingo Tagaki. But Shingo Tagaki, he came back, had that fighting spirit in him. He beat Sho with the Last of the Dragon to win and earn two points. And of course, the main event, we had Taiji Ishimori versus the junior heavyweight champion, Dragon Lee. Uh, Ishimori, he beat the champion and in a really good match. And that was night one, so... Night two, we had the debut of Doki. And, and by the way, for those who didn't know, originally it was supposed to be Flip Gordon and uh, El Fantasmo. But Flip Gordon, he had uh, visa issues, so he was replaced by young lion Ren Narita. And Do- Doki replaced El Fantasmo because El Fantasmo had a broken jaw. So this is my first time looking at Doki, and he's really, imp- he's really impressive. I don't know what you guys think about him, but uh, he's... He's impressive to me, and hopefully he, uh, I don't know, there's no hope, I don't say hopefully, but I know he's going to get, he's getting better and better, but I don't know much about Doki, but he beat, he beat the young lion, Ren Narita. Robbie Eagles, he beat Rocky Romero in a really good match. El Fantasmo, my boy El Fantasmo, he uh, defeated Bandito. We had a really nice match, which was another one of my favorite matches. We had Osprey beating Bushi, and I love the ending of the match. He, Bushi was trying to do the miss. Osprey covered his mouth like, "Nah, uh, uh-uh, you ain't doing that. You're not doing that." And he kicks him in the face, and you see the miss coming out of him, and he hits the Stormbreaker to win, which I love. That was very creative. And of course, oh man, the Heap Master, Yusuke Taguchi versus Yo. He and I, I, I and I want to mention this before 
before I talk about this. I said on Twitter that Caprice Coleman, he does an excellent job as a as an English commentator commentator for New Japan and the dude, he knows his stuff, man. And I got to shout him out on this podcast. So Caprice Coleman, if you listen to this podcast, I shouted you out. And like I said, I I even did it on Twitter. He's really great as a commentator. Easily becoming one of my favorites, along with Mauro Ranallo. So, Yusuke Taguchi, he beat Yo. I, the women love Yo for some reason. I mean, he flexes muscles. But I'm not shitting on I'm not going to shit on Yo. I'm, I really like Yo. He's really impressive as well. But uh, I'm trying to remember what happened. But I just want to quickly run down uh, New Japan's Best of the Super Junior. So, Yusuke, he beat uh, Yo. So, in night three, we have Jonathan Gresham, the octopus himself. He beat Takamichi Noku. Poor Michinoku. Poor, poor Michinoku. Can't even catch a break. We have Tiger Mask. Again, resiliency. He never gave up. He beat Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Shingo Tagaki. He remained undefeated. He beat Titan. Taiji Ishimori. He had to... Now, this match, I actually like this one because... Taiji Ishimori, he had to change his style against um, against Marty Skrull. And th- and I love that, that type of match. Because when you see someone different, you got to like adjust your style. And that's what Ty- Taiji Ishimori did. So he managed to beat uh, Marty Skrull with that. We had Dragon Lee. He beat Sho in a really good match. And then we got to night four. Robbie Eagles, he beat Ren Narita, of course. <laughs> But I like uh, Robbie Eagles, man. I think the dude is impressive. We have Yo. He beat Bandito in a really great ma- in a really good match. We have El Fantasmo. He beat uh, Bushi. And my goodness, man. If there's one match that I would like to watch over and over again in the best of the Super Juniors, is this next one. Will Ospreay versus Rocky Romero. That was absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. And this should have closed the show, to be quite honest. But, man, Rocky Romero, the dude is a beast. Will Ospreay, I've seen him live three times. I don't have to explain how awesome this guy is. Will Ospreay is a beast. So, he beat uh, Rocky Romero in an excellent match, and that's one of my uh, match recommendations. And, of course, I kind of died down during the main event with Yusuke Taguchi and Doki. And it was all... And it was all Doki beating the living crap out of poor Yusuke. But Yusuke managed to uh, pick up the win when the Young Lions were trying to grab Taichi because he got involved uh, the first part of the match. And then in the second part, he uh, tried to do it again. But the Young Lions like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And and Taguchi, he got the win. Now, Night 5, I recently watched show he beat Takamichinoku in a really good match. Marty Skrull, he beat Tiger Mask. Um, just running through this real quick because I want to get to some something really special. And it's not a knock on New Japan because New Japan is really fantastic. Um, Taiji Shimori, he beat Teton with the Bloody Cross. We have Dragon Lee, he beat Jonathan Gresham in a really good match. And it was more of a showcase for uh, Gresham. And the match, the main event, Shingo Tagaki versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru. I love this match. I love this match. And Yoshinobu Kanemaru is really underrated in Suzuki Gun, if you ask me. The dude is absolutely impressive. Like, the man strategized 
in this match to take out the injured knee of uh of Shingo Tagaki. And man, 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 man. And Taiji tried to get involved too in this match. And he was on commentary with the Japanese uh commentary team. And he tried to get involved. And of course the young lion stopped him. Uh Shingo Tagaki pumping bomber and into the last of the dragons to win the match. And I love the best of the Super Juniors, man. Uh, and they always stay consistent. And that's what I love about New Japan. And of course, of course, I gotta, I'm got. i waiting until... Like, if you want my prediction on who will win the entire thing, it's a toss-up between Shingo Tagaki and El Phantasmo. Those are my two picks. Those are my two picks. I even said Will Ospreay, but I said, nope, he's winning the G1 Climax. That's my pick, to win the entire G1 Climax. So... Let's move aside from New Japan and talk about AEW. And I'm going to say this again. If you haven't watched Being the Elite, the latest episode, you are missing out. And the show is absolutely hilarious. I was watching the latest episode in the first part of the show. And you see Mad Nick Jackson with Peter Avalon. And they were, they were taking a jab at WWE. And I was laughing so hard that I had to pause the video before they went to the uh, intro, the elite, the the elite, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> All right, let, let me just, this is hilarious. I like the young bucks, man. They know how to make a good man like me laugh. So in this episode, we had two matches that were announced for double or nothing. Now, Omega he announced during the mailbag, if I'm correct, that there will be a six woman tag. And it will be Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, who is Mabe, and Ryo Abe, and Ryo Mizunami. So it's going to be those six women. And of course, during a segment with, uh, with uh, Trent Beretta and I think it was Matt Jackson on the phone, he wanted to, he wanted a match, like he wanted a tag team match. And Matt said, you know what? I got one for you. We got Angelico and Jack Evans versus Best Friends, and that's one of the matches that's been announced so far. Like, we're going to get to the predictions really, really soon, but I'm actually happy for AEW for another reason. And one of the reasons that they got a TV deal. Let's give a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Like, this is a big deal. I even mentioned it. I even said this on Twitter. This is a big deal. Because AEW is going to be taken seriously. Well, it's been taken seriously since it's been announced. And, uh, like, I'm going to read this, uh, the press release from uh, from Warner Media. This is what it said. Warner Media's partners with All Elite Wrestling for multi-platform launch of groundbreaking new wrestling league. TNT to air weekly matches later this year, which would be in the fall. Inaugural May 25th event will be available on Bleacher Report Live and via pay-per-view. AEW to introduce the new generation of diverse wrestlers and give fans new wrestling experience for the first time in 20 years. So, here's an, it continues on. Warner Media, now, now this is from Wrestling News, I want to read this. Warner Media announced today that it's partnering with All Elite Wrestling, the new professional wrestling promotion, featuring a world-class roster of diverse male and female wrestlers, giving fans a new wrestling experience. For the first time in 20 years, 
Warner Media and AEW together will build this powerhouse sporting league from the ground up and will begin airing weekly matches later this year. With this league, AEW is introducing a new generation of wrestlers to fans, offering fun, gripping, and authentic athletic matches that will make wrestling more accessible to the broad audience. Um, Warner Media will utilize its position as the next generation global media company to build this league into a global pro wrestling franchise. Founded by President and CEO Tony Khan, AEW is headlined by members of the elite, which includes all-star wrestlers, the Young Bucks, Cody, Brandy, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and a roster that includes the legendary Chris Jericho, Omega, and Cody. The Young Bucks also serve as executive vice presidents of the company, in addition to in-ring talent, and Brandy Rose also as the, serves as a chief brand officer. And... All Elite Wrestling is a talent forward fan first league, which sold me right there, whose inclusive approach to create high quality athletic wrestling comp- competition is already making waves with fans and attracting top tier wrestlers. Uh, it's hi- and this is all said by Michael Quigley, if I pronounced it right. And it is high adrenaline gripping gri- uh, entertainment, and we can't wait to bring it to fans everywhere with this game changing new business wrestling fans have wanted and needed something different and this is what tony khan said authentic and better for far too long aew is answering the call aew is about more than wrestling It's about a movement filled by wrestling fans who have been undeserved and perhaps even disappointed by what the industry has produced in recent years aew is rising to the occasion with double or nothing and today taking a step further by partnering with warner media which is committed, as we are, to making wrestling fans the one and only priority. With Warner Media, AEW is poised globally to redefine wrestling as we know it today. This is great, man. This is really great. And I honestly, I honestly think that this is a, a game changer right there. Not only that, I mean, we've been known they're going to go to TNT, but... This is a real game changer, and I think this is going to make WWE step up their game if they want to, and we'll talk about that later on. And boy, boy, I got a lot to say about that one when we get to WWE. So Cody Rhodes, he on now Cody Rhodes, he said uh, he plans to seize on uh, what AEW plans to seize on w what wwe is lacking right now so this is what he said as much as i say wwe was a wonderful job it wasn't wrestling facts uh Rhodes admitted that's that's something i've learned a lot the grittiness and the sports-centric element of the industry that doesn't exist really anywhere else currently we have the opportunity to seize that so i'm absolutely looking forward to this and uh this is going to be great man this is going to be great now, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, he mentioned that um, if AEW, on AEW competing with WWE. So this is what he said. He said, this is a war, even if you don't want it to be, it ju- it's just this. There hasn't been any competition for WWE on a national basis for 20 years or more. I think this is something they didn't really want, but it's great for the fans and great for the guys. I think in the long run, it's going to make a difference because it gives people a choice, and it's always good to have a choice. And Jericho ain't lying. This dude has been wrestling for a long time, and he's seen seen the, the ups and downs in professional wrestling. The dude is a genius. 
he's a wrestling genius. And by the way, I, I want to think, I mean, I got to give thanks to Chris Jericho. If it wasn't for him, AEW wouldn't be the most talking point. So I'm putting most of the thanks to Chris Jericho, by the way. Hashtag Jericho's the greatest of all time. <laughs> and we have a little spoiler here, ladies and gentlemen. Coming out of the mouth of the former Jack Swagger. He was recently interviewed by ESPN's, uh, I don't know if I might pronounce this right, but Ariel Helwani, when he spoke on a wide range of topics, he uh, was asked about if AEW is a possibility, but this is the quote he said. This is the quote uh, Jack Swagger said. I think that will progress in the future. As of now, I can't tell you I don't want to step in John Moxley's shadow. That's going to be a great debut for him. Hopefully, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that where we see him at so it's pretty much a dead giveaway i don't know if he might actually show up but if he does that's gonna be a big crowd wtf holy shit moment if it happens at the mgm grand arena and i'm actually looking forward to this show and but before we get into to the predictions um we got Nick Jackson, one half of the Young Bucks. He mentioned that New Japan never saw value in the Young Bucks. And I want to read this, and I want, I'm want i going to try and interpret what this is. So, the Young Bucks, which of course is Matt and Nick Jackson, recently spoke with Bleacher Report to talk about the launch of AEW and their television deal that will kick in later this year with TNT that will see them produce a weekly show. During the interview, Nick spoke about their journey to AEW, which launched back in January. It turns out that the brothers were initially hesitant to depart from Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling due to them being with the promotion for so many years. According to Nick, they thought that the promotion never realized the value or potential of the Bucks. In fact, when their contracts were up, if Ring of Honor and New Japan offered them more money, then they may have stayed instead of being part of the launch part of the launch of AEW. And this is what Nick Jackson said, and I quote, You know what's sad? New Japan and Ring of Honor could have easily come together and offered us the contract they wanted, but they just didn't do it. New Japan never saw the value in Mad and I. They never paid us good. We ha- we would have had to work with New Japan for another two decades to even get close to retiring. And the style they demand is backbreaking. Ring of Honor paid us a lot better than New Japan. We could have probably retired there, but we would have to work probably another decade with them. We pitched we pitched it to both of them. Why don't you guys get us dual contracts? And they just didn't get it done. We would have easily stayed, and there would have never been an all-elite wrestling if they wouldn't have met what we wanted, but it didn't get done. So, wow, man. Some new information right there. So, AEW wouldn't happen if Ring of Honor and New Japan didn't give the Young Bucks what they wanted. That that would have been a big surprise, you know. That would have been shocking. I mean, that's shocking to hear right there, you know. But, I, I actually side with the Young Bucks right there. But, I mean, sure, they held tag title golds in Ring of Honor. They've held it in New Japan. And, they were the most talked about... Uh, wrestlers in Ring of Honor and New Japan. And like I'm even hearing uh like I'm also even hearing that Ring of Honor wrestlers are quitting this company for all elite wrestling. That's what I heard. And 
Also, we have some referees. We have Paul Turner, Aubrey Edwards, and of course, Earl Hebner. They're all elite. And congratulations to them. They're going to be officiating uh, with AEW. Now, for the fun part, because I was going to do this at the end, but I said, you know what? It's time to... I'm not going to plan it like that. I'm going to have this one first. So let's quickly run down Double or Nothing. So I'm absolutely looking forward to this. I actually took notes on this a little bit. So Double or Nothing is going to be taking place on May 25th at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, of course. And I know some of my friends are going to be there. How you doing, Kelsey? And yeah, my friend Kelsey's going to be there. I mean, I've seen... I think JD's going to be there. Solid Monster's going to be there. Uh, I'm just going to be at home, live tweeting, watching the show. I'm really excited for this, you know. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with the buy-in pre-show matches, which I'm looking forward to. So the first match, we have Kip Sabian versus Sammy Guevara. Now, I've seen Sammy Guevara. I've known Sammy Guevara says Wrestle Circus. Hashtag watch Wrestle Circus. You will not be disappointed. Now, Sammy Guevara is a beast. He is absolutely incredible to watch in the ring. And uh, I said it on Twitter when I was watching Wrestle Circus when they made their return. Sammy Guevara is going to be a big star in AEW. Mark my words. Mark my words. So, and Kip Saban, I don't know much about him. So, you know, I love seeing new talent. So, and I could get a great interpretation about it. So, I'm going with Sammy Guevara to win here. That's my main pick. We have the 21-man Casino Battle Royal. So, the winner will get a shot at the uh, AEW World Heavyweight Championship, which I don't know if they're going to announce it on the Double or Nothing show or if they're going to announce it at a later date. But we got 21 We got twenty-one people. We don't know. Who, like, we got mysteries. You know I'm a sucker for mysteries. Um, we have Sonny Kiss. Brandon Cutler, Ace Romero, Glacier, Brian Pillman Jr., Sunny Days, MJF, Joey Janela, Dustin Thomas, Billy Gunn, Jimmy Havoc, uh, Michael Nakazawa, Jungle Boy, and many more to come. Now, the rules, from what I remember, is five men in the ring, and in about three minutes, you have another five come in, with the 21 being the last entrant, and the winner gets a shot of the... Uh, AEW World Heavyweight Championship. So, out of these names, now, I like the surprise name, but if it was up to me, it would be between MJF or Joey Janela. But I'm going with MJF. He's my main pick to win it all. So, that will, that's it for the pre-shows. Let's get to the main card. We have the best friends of Chucky e. T, and, yeah, I call him Chucky e. T, versus Trent Beretta versus Los Guerrero. Guerreros del Cielo, the team of Angelico and Jack Evans. I'm going with uh, Evans and Angelico to win here. We got a six-woman tag team match. We got Aja Kong, Yuki Sakazaka, and Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, Riho, and Ryo Mizunami. I'm going, like, Hikaru Shida, she is my bae. Always Always will be in the Joshi world. She's on that list of Bay category, and she's a nerd, and I love and I love it, and she's a cosplayer, and a video gamer, if I'm correct. But you got the team of Aja Kong and Yuka Sakazaki. Well, mostly Aja Kong, 
that's an automatic win for me right there. So that's my prediction. The, the team of Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura. We have SoCal on Sensor versus Strongheart, which is Seema, L. Linderman, and T-Hawk. Uh, this is a tough one, man. I want to say SoCal Uncensored, but I, I think they're going to give it to the Stronghearts. So, that's my pick. I'm going with Stronghearts to win this one. We have Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes, brother versus brother. Um, there was a news on Dustin Rhodes about how, about the match he wanted with his brother Cody in WWE at WrestleMania, but they got the shaft at Fastlane, but... I would suggest you to watch it inside the ropes interview the interview Dusty Rhodes. No, not interview Dustin Rhodes. I'm sorry, I can't even speak right now. Um I, I suggest you to watch it and it's really worth a lot of information. But the promo with Cody was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic, you know. But I think this is gonna be a great match. And both of them looks like especially Dustin Rhodes, he looks like f- jacked. But I'm going with Cody to win this because it's a simple storyline. Cody wants to kill the Attitude Era. Dustin Rose doesn't want the Attitude Era to die. We have a triple threat women's match with Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose versus Kylie Ray. I love Kylie Ray. She's really awesome. Nyla Love, I don't know much about, but she has that impressive... Like, she looks impressive a little bit. But I think they're building up Britt Baker as the big star for the women's division for AEW. So, And like I said, when I talked about Shimmer during WrestleMania week, keep an eye on, like I said, Britt Baker is going to be a big star. She's going to be in that category with Tessa Blanchers, the Oscars, the EO Shirai's, the Kyrie's, the Charlotte's, the Becky's as the best in the world. And I'm going with Britt Baker to win here. That's my pick. And... Hashtag, and also, I would not mind if Kylie Ray won. We have the AAA World Tag Team titles on the line. The Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. I'm going with the Lucha Brothers because this is the best way to get hype for the uh, for Double or Nothing. Our semi-main event, we have Adam Page versus Pac. Now, I want to mention this for a second. I want to mention this for one second. If they have the world title on the line, if it's revealed during this match, then I could see Hangman Page winning the title, becoming the inaugural champion. But if it's not, I'm going with Pac. Uh, So I'm going to base it off as the singles match. Just a regular one-on-one match. I'm going with uh, Pac to pick up the win here. And finally, what I think should be the main event, Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Now, Chris Jericho, he's going to be facing Okada at um, Dominion, which I'm looking forward to. And he's debuting a new signature move called the Judas Effect. And I want to see what it looks like. I don't know if he posted it on his Instagram on what the move looked like. Just let me know. Um, Kenny, he got one on Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom 12. And I think it would make sense for Jericho to get this win here since you're building this guy up as the t- as a top star. And he's going to be facing Okada, so he needs a little bit of a momentum. So, I'm going with Chris Jericho. That is my predictions for, uh, my quick predictions for Double or Nothing. Now, we got news on Killer Cross. Apparently, he wants out of Impact Wrestling. Now, PW Insider, they reported that, um, Killer Cross is unhappy with the multi-year contract that he signed last year, and he asked for a pay raise. 
And he's basing the pay raise on what his market value could be outside of Impact. Presumably, this increased contract offers to various wrestlers from WWE and AEW likely played a part in his decision to ask for a pay raise. Now, Cross is reportedly unhappy with the current pay scale and he has pushed for a six-figure guaranteed deal much more than he is currently making. The story from Impact side is that Cross agreed to the deal last year while he was relatively unknown on a national level and Cross agreed to the terms offered to him. Impact reportedly countered with a new restructured three-year deal for Cross that would pay him by the date. However, he wanted to a guaranteed deal with a base salary. Now, Cross, he turned down a new restructured uh, contract offer and then asked for his release last week so he could explore other options. Now, when, now, this is from Wrestling News. He said, it would not surprise me if he got an offer from WWE, Ring of Honor, AEW, or New Japan Pro Wrestling because he's very good in the ring, which he is, and also on the microphone. Now, Cross has done trials for WWE in the past, and he's appeared in at least one episode on Monday Night Raw a few years ago, and I didn't know this as an enhancement talent. Now, of course, Impact, they're not going to grant his release. He signed a three-year deal. I mean, I even heard that um another uh, rest, another uh, talent, uh, Gersinder Singh, he announced his free agency on uh, Twitter. So, we, gotta, we don't know what's going on with Impact, man, but... I'm actually looking forward to Slammiversary, which is coming pretty soon. So, let's transition that to WWE right now. And I want to start off on a somber note. And I I just, I don't like hearing stuff like this, you know. And former WWE superstar um, Ashley Massaro, she uh, passed away at the age of 39. And... It's just it's just sad to hear, man. And this comes from the this comes after this Ric Flair health scare because TMZ they blown this out of proportion, saying that he was rushed to the hospital and it was very serious. And Conrad Thompson he had to um, calm everyone down, saying, "Look, he's fine. It was just a it was just a scheduled it was just a precautionary thing that he wanted to take care of." And and this is some, I, and I don't understand social media, because you have some asshole who wanted to post saying that Ric Flair is dead at the age of 73. You know what I did? I fucking blocked him. I blocked him. That block button was the magic key, because this motherfucker wanted 15 minutes of fame. Disgusting. Disgusting. It's a sad world we live in, you know. But back to Ashley. I... No, I don't know much about her, but I know that she was mostly known as a valet with Paul London and Brian Kendrick when they were tag teams. And I'm even hearing that she may have committed suicide. And my heart really goes for her only daughter, who was just 19 years old. And to lose your mom like that is just is really sad, man. Like, I didn't talk about last week because, like, last week I heard that Silver King died in the ring too. But, uh... My thoughts and prayers go out to her family, her friends, all the people that she loves, especially the fans that know that have seen her, that known her. She was gonna go through her email, like her mailbag, like that was her last tweet. That was her last tweet, and I I just don't like hearing stuff like this because it just breaks my heart. And not only that, she's not the only person who passed. The grumpy cat who was a guest, or a guest on Monday Night Raw, 
the grumpy cat passed away. And I, and as a pet owner myself, I mean, I love cats, but I have a pet dog. I, I know what it's like to lose someone, lose a pet that's considered a family. So my thoughts and prayers go, prayers go out to the owner of the, uh, of the, the cat, of the grumpy cat. And you'll be deeply missed. Deeply, deeply missed. And let's try and get off this somber note right now. Leo Rush, there's an update on him. There's an update on Leo Rush. Apparently, he's removed WWE from his social media bios, and he's he added a booking email, leorushbooking at gmail.com, on his uh, account, pr- pretty much on his Instagram. I've seen it on his Instagram. I don't know if, if it's on his Twitter. So what I'm doing right now, like while I'm recording this, I'm literally about to check Leo Rush's Instagram, see if he really took WWE off his uh any WWE references off his Twitter, and he did. He did. He only put booking inquirers, so, yep, he's out. He's pretty much out after what he said, what he gave his side of the story, and he might be going to Ring of Honor. Who knows? What I would do, I would send him back to NXT, and I've said this in, like, two episodes ago. I said this either two episodes or the last episode. I said... Leo Rush, I think he would benefit more if he went to NXT. And not only that, it can, it can change him right there. They could refresh him, give him a restart. Because I think everyone deserves a restart button, a reset button. And I think Leo Rush would be perfect for the uh, role. WWE is also leaving Sky and TV for another major network. To anybody who's in the UK... I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing because Sky uh, Sports have been with WWE for as long as I can remember, if I'm correct. So, uh, I don't know. if it's Just let me know on Twitter. Just DM me or something if it's a good thing or a bad thing to anyone who listens to this in the UK. Because they are replacing Sky TV for BT Sports. Uh I don't I don't know. I just need you I need your guys' opinion on this. And I I don't know if this is a bad thing or if it's an upgrade or a downgrade. Just let me know on this. Now, I usually don't talk about the Saudi Arabia show, but I might talk about it if I have no choice but to watch it and give my thoughts about it. Now, there is an ad that was shown for the June 7th Super Show. For the Super Showdown at uh, Saudi Arabia. Originally it was going to be called Sands of Time. But they called it the Super Showdown. So these are the matches that are being advertised. We got Drew McIntyre versus Braun Strowman. Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon. Yawn. Finn Balor versus Andrade Cien Almas for the Intercontinental Championship match. Which would be fantastic. Kingston versus Brian. I'm about. Damn it, I said Kingston versus Bryan again. I can't get WrestleMania out of my brain right now. Kingston versus Owens for the WWE Championship. And we have a 50-man battle royal, which includes Daniel Bryan, Bobby Roode, The Miz, AJ Styles, Cesaro, Elias, Cedric Alexander, Sami Zayn, Alistair Black, Rey Mysterio, Bobby Lashley, Buddy Murphy, Jey Uso, Baron Corbin, and many others. So the ones that we got... So WWE announced... Triple H versus Randy Orton and The Undertaker versus Goldberg. Now, as I am recording this, I heard that the match that's announced right now is 
Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. So that squashes the Drew McIntyre one out of the picture. So I don't know how I can feel about it. I mean, should I even watch it? I don't know if I think I want to watch it. I mean, I don't have to. Lars Sullivan. Let's talk about Lars Sullivan. Now, many people want to fight. How did WWE take action? They fined him $100,000. And he will be required to go sensitivity training. It's a fair punishment. I mean, it's not like I don't want the guy to be outright fired from WWE. And he's he's not going to win any titles. I mean, after all that, he's not winning any titles. He's just going to be just a monster. And then he's not going to be in that. He's going to be like Braun Strowman a little bit. Just, well, not Braun Strowman, but he's going to be pretty much directionless. He's not going to win anything. He's not going to win any big titles. He's just going to be there as this monster to be on SmackDown. And I know if the fans are still shitting on him, and he and look, look, you can shit on him all you want. I mean, I, I mean, NXT Lost Sullivan was fantastic, but now here, eh, just it's toning down for me a little bit. But the fair punishment, because I know they didn't want to get any legal trouble with uh. What's their sponsors about Law Sullivan's com- comments? I mean, it happened. It happened. He's go- and like I said, he's gonna live with this for the rest of his life. He's gonna live with this for the rest of his life. There's no saving him. Even if he did apologize to the the uh, WWE roster, I mean, yeah, you apologize. Good on you, but you're gonna live with that for being a bigot and a racist for the rest of your life. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to save this rant for a long, long time, and it was a long time coming, and I want to read this from Wrestling News, and this is just, oh my goodness, I was exploding, and I might explode again on this podcast, so if you have, if you're listening to this on your earbuds, please turn the volume down, because I might be yelling, if you're listening to this on your car, or anywhere I mean, grab a popcorn, well, for your car, just enjoy the ride while I bitch and rant a lot, but if you're at home listening to this, grab a popcorn, pause the vid, well, pause this podcast, grab some notebooks, grab some uh, popcorn, grab something to drink, because this is going to be something that I have been waiting for for a long, long time. The stories we heard about people being frustrated with Vince McMahon have been confirmed by many people in the company, and there's no secret that wrestlers are looking at their options when their contract expires. Last week, Triple H seemed to acknowledge to the fans he knows change is needed, but there's not much he can do until Vince McMahon decides to step aside. Triple H recently liked and then unliked two of the fans' tweets, of course, which I talked about, Richard and... This guy, uh, Shane Mania, at well, is at Pocket Wrestling. He said, I truly believe that if WWE talent can hang in there until Vince switches to his XFL pipe dream next year and assuming Triple H switches to main roster control, things will actually improve. It's a way, it's a ways away, but it's a hard reset plus post box deals, growing pains would do wonders in my opinion. Some of the usual stories and some new ones were confirmed on Ray Keller's pro, pro wrestling post show when a close friend of three writers from WWE called into his show after Monday Night Raw and it's very clear that the buck stops 
with Vince McMahon and it doesn't look like real change is coming anytime soon. So I'm about to read through everything first and then we're going to dissect it one by one. The, so WWE's problems are not the fault of the writers. No one should rip on WWE creative. They have some of the most brilliant, unbelievable, cool ideas that I've ever heard. He was told we're writing for an audience. He was told we're writing for an audience of one and never forget that. And if not, you're out of here. The most frustrated person in the back every single night is Triple H. He'll always take, especially the NXT guys under his wing. It looks like he's consoling them. It looks like he's was the most frustrated person in the building every single night. The wild card rule was not in the script on the morning of the show. The superstar shakeup changed week to week and it didn't pan out how it was originally laid out months prior. Everything changed because Vince just decided to change it. He talked about the turnover with so many backstage people quitting or being fired. SmackDown and Raw writing teams are the same for both shows. They used to be separate, but that changed recently after the superstar shakeup. The caller emphasized that the problems in WWE are not creative's fault, and Vince McMahon is the one person who deserves the blame. <clears throat> Vince wants suggestions from everyone, but it never gets on TV. 99 times out of 100, you can come out, up with an idea for Vince, and it won't be used. The entire creative team has pitched to have Raw and SmackDown look completely different with different pro productions, a different way of shooting things, etc., and McMahon shoots it down. Vince McMahon doesn't keep track of what's going on with NXT. He maybe watches TakeOver shows. The writers say he just watches WWE and works out and is not aware of things going on in the real world. The writers say there's no chance of Vince stepping down. Dana Brooke has been the hardest worker for the last three years. She goes to the Performance Center. She shows up early and helps set up the ring. She gets in the ring so she can get better. Creative will pitch something for her, and she gets nothing up until recently with money in the bank. The caller offered to tell Way Keller off the air of some cool storylines that were pitched and never used. The writer he talked to said, We're all working for Dana Warrior and it's really awkward. The WWE Fox contract prohibits Fox from moving the show to FS1 even if the ratings drop. One writer is very close to quitting because he is so unbelievably unhappy and many of the writers are paranoid and think they are close to being fired. It is such a toxic atmosphere and it's all because of one person. Renevel walked out. There was a crazy shouting match and he flipped out on Vince McMahon and that was the last time they saw him. The writers praised Neville for being easy to work with. Ideas never pan out as originally planned because writers will come up with stuff and then Vince loses interest after a week or two. He uses Mojo Raleigh as an example. The money is good and it's a dream job for many writers, but it gets frustrating. The talent is very unhappy and people are trying to get out of their contracts. The writers say Bruce Pritchard is a pleasure to work with. He's a funny guy and a pleasure to work with, but he's not getting through to Vince either. Shane McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie and Stephanie McMahon have tried to talk to Vince, but he hasn't worked. The people on the writing staff listens to podcasts, and they hear fans bashing him, and it breaks their hearts, he said. Vince is on the announcer's ear to a sentence, and he gets on them for tiny mistakes. On Sami Zayn, this is not Sami Zayn's promo. That's Vince McMahon talking through Sami Zayn. There are 37 total writers, and they are now working both shows. 
NBC Universal and Fox both want top stars. Andrade Cien Almas went into Vince's office and he asked for a legit push. Vince looked at him and said, learn some English and get back to me. Andrade spoke some English and last week and he's been taking English lessons. The Firefly Funhouse is all Bray Wyatt's idea and is described as an absolute genius. He's and he helps other wrestlers with their promos. He is one of the best guys in the locker room. The writer he talked to said they loved when there was a real brand split. He mentioned the revival storyline being done because Vince just thinks it's funny. Some of the writers think Road Dog will eventually end up in AEW. Road Dog is currently on hiatus and there's no word on when he will be back or what he will be doing if he returns. So let's start from the top. Let's start from the top. Okay, WWE's problems are not the fault of the writers. No one should rip on WWE creative. They have some of the most brilliant, unbelievable, cool ideas that I've ever heard. He was told we're writing for an audience of one and never forget that. And if not, you're out of here. That doesn't surprise me. This does not surprise me. You, The audience of one is Vince McMahon. The audience of one is Vince McMahon. He doesn't give a shit about the fans. He doesn't give a shit about the fans, and I'm actually curious to hear what some of these creative writers have these ideas for. And I know some of them, they don't have wrestling knowledge, but at least they're trying to be creative. And with Bruce Pritchard, and we'll, and I could talk about that, helping them out, that makes perfect sense. The most frustrated person in the back every single night is Triple H. I mean, I've been knowing this ever since... He has looked at some of the guys in NXT that he has molded and made them into legit stars. I mean, look at Shinsuke Nakamura. Look at Shinsuke Nakamura. He came in with so much hype, so much hype, and he was the NXT champion. He was a big name in NXT, and he gets called up, and he's just... He, lo- he, has, he had it there, but they... Had him face Jinder Mahal in a fucking terrible feud where he should have won the damn title from Jinder Mahal. He wins the Royal Rumble, challenges AJ Styles. He should have won the title there at WrestleMania. The match should have closed the show at WrestleMania. And I'm never going to get over it because I was there live. And he wins the U.S. title as a consolation prize. And they did jack shit with it. And he's now being paired up with Rusev, who is also directionless. And I can imagine Vince McMahon talking to EC3. I can imagine Vince McMahon talking to a guy like Shinsuke Nakamura. All the guys that he has molded, from the tag team to the women to the men, he's trying to calm them down. And I understand why Triple H is frustrated because Vince McMahon is jealous of Triple H on how he's making NXT a success and how he's building stars up. And Vince wants to take and ruin Hence the the War Raiders. The War Raiders. They went from the War Raiders. They went from the Viking Experience, which was a god-awful name. And they changed it to the Viking... They changed it to the Viking Raiders or the Viking Warriors or whatever the fuck you want to call them. And now, they're just dead. Like, their vibe on NXT was so great, but when they're on the main roster, dead. The wild card rule was not in the script on the morning of the show. Well, I'm not even surprised by that. The wild card rule is fucking terrible. And I already mentioned it in the last episode that this wild card rule is going to run thin. Why even have it? 
Because that that kills the appeal of the brand split. That kills the appeal of the superstar shakeup. Just end the fucking brand split if you're going to continue to do the wild card rule. Or get rid of it. The superstar shakeup changed weeks to week and it didn't pan out how it was originally laid out months prior. Everything changed because Vince just decided to change it. Micromanaging. Micromanaging at its finest. This makes me... Like, I, I feel bad for these writers. They have to... They have all these ideas, and then Vince just says, I don't like this. I don't like this. We're doing it my way. Fuck that, man. And you're going to have some yes men who wants to side with Vince McMahon. Now, SmackDown... Now, he talked about a turnover with so many backstage people quitting or being fired because it's a toxic environment. The backstage morale is at its worst that it's ever been. And it's all because of Vince McMahon. SmackDown and Raw riding teams are the same for both shows. They used to be separate, but that changed recently during the Superstar Shakeup. And there you go. There you go. Why couldn't you have... Like, because if... Like, I last saw... You had 37 riders. Why can't you split it up? Make it easy instead of making it overly complicated. Instead of making it being simply complicated. You know? The caller emphasized that the problems in WWE are not creative's fault and Vince McMahon is the one person who deserves the blame. And for any podcasters out there, we direct our frustrations at Vince McMahon. We're putting aside from the WWE creative because I apologize to anybody in creative if you're listening to this. I apologize and I know it's not your fault. You're just being chained up by the old man who wants what he wants and not what the fans want. So I apologize. So for anyone, any podcaster, any up and coming podcaster, let's take our frustrations out on Vince McMahon, not the creative writers. Uh, Anyway... Vince wants suggestions from everyone, but it never gets on TV. 99 out of 100 times, you can come up with an idea for Vince, and it won't be used. Then why the fuck do you have these writers? Why do you have these writers if you're going to make all these fucking suggestions that you're not even going to fucking use? That makes no sense. You want suggestions, and then you don't want to do it? Why even hire them? Why even fucking hire them if you don't even know what the fuck you're going to do? Why even have creative writers if you think you want suggestions and you're going to turn it down like that, man? Makes no fucking sense. Oh, my goodness, man. I'm I'm just trying to calm myself down. And here, here's the good part. Vince McMahon doesn't keep track of what's going on with NXT. This is why he, pol- this is why he plucked up Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and Aleister Black because the product was getting stale. And he didn't even know that... And he did it behind Triple H's back. And he didn't know that Tommaso Ciampa was fucking injured. And that pretty much killed the... uh, It didn't kill the story... Like, it did kill the storyline with Gargano and Ciampa in NXT. It's just, he took these four guys without giving Triple H's consent. Who does that? Who seriously does that? That's not right, man. That is seriously not right. And he maybe watches takeover shows. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he watches takeover shows. Give me a break. Give me a fucking break. <sighs> the, the writer says he just watches WWE, works out, and is not aware of the things going on in the real world. It's self-explanatory. 
Self-explanatory. The writers say there's no chance of Vince stepping down. Oh, so he could just run? Because I heard this report from Brad Shepard that he might run the WWE and the XFL at the same time. That's 2001. And look what, it, look what happened. Big decline. How about you just focus on one and have someone work on WWE? Pass it to Triple H. Pass it to Triple H, man. You can focus on the XFL. You focus on that. Don't focus on both because you're going to be overworking yourself to death. You're going to be overworking yourself to death. Don't do that shit, man. Dana Brooke has been the hardest worker for the last three years. She goes to the performance center. She shows up early. She helps sets up the ring and she gets in the ring so she can get better. Creative will pitch something for her and she gets nothing up until recently with money in the bank. Now, with Dana Brooke's case... Daniel Brooks case, I respect people who want to get better. And that's why I respect Dana Brooke. That's why I respect Dana Brooke. She now and after three years, she's finally getting a push. And look, she's not on that level of a a Charlotte, a Becky, an Oscar, uh Kyrie Sane, an EO, and many others who are really great in the ring. But she's not on that level, but at least she's working to get better. And I respect people who do that shit. And I really do. And granted, if Sasha didn't go AWOL, she wouldn't even have this spot. That's just me. And the caller offered to tell Wade Keller off the air some cool storylines that were pitched and never used. I wanted to know what I want to know what they are. The writer he talked to said, We're all working for Dana Warrior and is really awkward. Well, well. Really awkward. And we're already at the fall point right here. Just wow. Just wow. I, I'm, I got nothing. Moving on. The WWE Fox contract prohibits Fox from moving the show from FS1 even if the ratings drop. I mean, self-explanatory. One of the writers is very close to quitting because he is so unbelievably unhappy. And many writers are paranoid and think they are close to being fired. And I want to mention what Gail Kim said. Someone asked her if she would work as a writer for WWE, and she said never because she's seen uh, writers actually stressed out and even crying. Like, why would I waste my time writing for W? Like, why would I write for WWE if all my ideas are going to be turned down by Vince McMahon, who just doesn't give a shit about the real world and only cares about himself and the money? And I I'm Gail Kim. I'm with Gail Kim on this. I wouldn't work for WWE. Like I wouldn't work until things change. I wouldn't work until things fucking change. It's such a toxic atmosphere and it's all because of one person. And like I mentioned, the backstage morale is even worse than it's ever been in WWE. And it's all because of Vince McMahon. It's all because of Vince McMahon. You got people who want out of their contracts. You, want, you got people who want to walk out. And you, you got writers who are pretty much saying, fuck this shit, I'm out. Like, no one wants to work in a toxic environment. When Neville walked out, there was a crazy shouting match and he flipped out on Vince McMahon and there was a last time, that was the last time they saw him. The writers praised Neville for being so easy to work with and now look where he's at. He's in AEW. AEW. Great job, Vince. Great job. And this was during the time when Vince was running uh, 205 Live and that's when he gave the belt to Enzo Amore which pretty much killed 205 Live. And that's why I never walked out. Ideas never pan out as originally planned because the writers will come up with stuff and Vince loses interest after a week or two. Mojo Raleigh is an example of this. <sighs> I mean, 
if you watch Raw, the crowd was fucking dead during that uh, match with Apollo Crews. The crowd did not give a shit. And I don't even know what the hell this gimmick is for Mojo Rawley. I don't know. Because if Vince just doesn't even give a shit. Like, I could continue on and on, but I'm just so fucking pissed off right now about this shit. Anyway, the money is good, and it's a dream job for many writers, but it gets frustrating. The talent is very unhappy, and people are trying to get out of their contract. Then why are you going to this place, man? Like, it's the dream job, yes, but you're risking stress. Like, you're going to be working 24-7 just to give the old man what he wants. And you, th- you get ideas, and then... It just gets thrown into the shredder or thrown out the window like it means jack shit. Why the fuck would I want to work there? Again, why would I want to work there? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why you want to... I understand it's a dream job to work at WWE, but if the backstage morale is low and people want out of their contract because they are unhappy, why the fuck do you want to work there? Just saying, I'm not, and I just want to make it clear, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm just being honest. That's why I'm shouting. Uh, the, the writers say Bruce Pritchard is a pleasure to work with. He's a funny guy and a pleasure to work with, but he's not even getting through to Vince McMahon. Not even Shane McMahon, not even her, not even her daughter, not even his son-in-law is trying to get through. Like, they're trying to tell him what you're doing is wrong. He doesn't want to fucking listen. He doesn't want to fucking listen. Now, the people on the writing staff, listens to podcasts, and they hear fans bashing them, and it breaks their hearts. And like I said, I apologize to all the creative writers, because I know this is stressful. This is stressful because you have great ideas, and then they get turned down because it's not good on Vince's eyes. It's not good in Vince's eyes. Uh, the Vince isn't in the announcer's ear to, to ascends, and he gets on them for tiny mistakes, and this is why the commentary is absolutely horrendous on Raw and SmackDown. We got to hear bickering with, with Byron Saxton and Corey Graves. Michael Cole, who sounds so forced. When you look at him on NXT in the UK show, the first UK tournament, he sounded so free, like he was off on his leash. And Renee Young, oh, 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 oh my God. Like, look, I like Renee Young. I think Renee Young is better suited as a backstage interviewer than on commentary. They, they're just doing this to make the history mark. <sighs> On Sami Zayn, this is not a surprise to me. This is not a surprise to me. That's not Sami Zayn's promo. That's Vince McMahon talking through Sami Zayn. This is pretty much Vince McMahon giving the big middle finger to the fans because he thinks he's a genius when in actuality he's fucking killing his own company from the ground. He's making his own... It's like... I'm, I use this metaphor a lot. He It's a ship that is sinking and is desperate to float. That's what WWE is right now. There are 37 riders... And they're on both shows. Why can't you separate them? Make it easier for yourself. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be stressful. You know? NBC and Universal and Fox wants the top stars. WWE does... Well, Vince McMahon doesn't want to create top stars. All we see is Roman, Roman, Roman. We see AJ Styles. Like, I don't have a problem with AJ Styles. Like, this wild card rule is killing the brand split to the point where people want the brand split to just end and get it over with. NBC Universal and Fox wants top stars. How about you actually create stars? Create top stars. Just saying. This one actually pissed me off even more. Andrade Cien Almas went into Vince's office and asked for a legit push. Vince looked at him and said, learn some English and get back to me. 
Andrade spoke some English last week, and he's been taking English lessons. I don't know why they are hiring guys internationally, to be quite honest. I don't know why they're hiring international talents if you have a problem with them not speaking English. Like, that that's not a problem in NXT. That's not a problem with Hideo Itami. That's not a problem with Shinsuke Nakamura. That wasn't a problem with Asuka. That wasn't a problem with Kairi Sane. It's not a problem with Io Shirai. And it's not even a problem with Kushida. You don't hear Triple H telling him, look, speak some English and I'll give you a push. He knows by your in-ring skills. You tell your stories in the ring, even for an almost. Any, anyway, and this is why Oscar is with Kyrie saying, this is why Shinsuke Nakamura is nowhere to be found, probably backstage and catering. And th- this is fucking ridiculous, man. At this point, I'm saying, why are you even hiring international talents that doesn't speak English that well? And you're just telling them, go oh, speak English and I'll get back to you? What the fuck? Who wants to, like, what kind of person tells someone that, man? You run a wrestling promotion and you tell your international star to speak some fucking English? Cody's not going to do that to a Hikaru Shida or an Aja Kong or a Yuka Sakazaki. He's not going to do that. He's going to let them tell the story in the fucking ring. And you wonder why people are bashing this, bashing Vince McMahon. Because of bullshit like this. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Speak some English and then get back to me? What the fuck, man? Seriously, what the fuck? That makes absolutely no sense. And it makes me say, I don't want to see wrestlers like Tanahashi. I don't want to see Ishimori. I don't want to see Mayu Iwatani come to the WWE just to be shitted on like this. Or any other international talent from Mexico or any others. Just saying. Let them tell the story in the fucking ring. They don't need to speak nonstop. And not only that, you have Selena Vega as his manager. The Firefly Funhouse stuff is all Bray Wyatt's idea. And is described as an absolute genius. He helps out other wrestlers with their promos. He's one of the best guys in the locker room. And good on Bray Wyatt, man. Good on Bray Wyatt. At first, I did not like the Firefly Funhouse. But after watching it over and over again, it grew on me really fast. Really fast. And Bray made that character look perfect. And I just I just like that, man. I really do. The writers... Are, he talked to said that they loved it when there was a real brand split. Like I said, different production, different shows. Have them fucking go out there and tear it up. Tear it up. Make it a competitive nature with Raw trying to be better than SmackDown. SmackDown, like, have a scaling effect right there. But no, we can't get that because Vince wants what he wants. He mentioned the revival in the Uso storyline being done because Vince just thought it was funny. And what a way... What a fucking way to have the Usos who are taken seriously as legit tag teams and the Revival who are one of the best tag teams in NXT and then you have them fucking doing comedy fucking sticks to get, to just get a fucking laugh. Him having Scott Dawson, I think it was Dawson, no, Wilder shaving Scott Dawson's back with the Usos, pulling a prank on him with Uzi Hot. Am I watching Jackass or Punk? Am I watching MTV? Am I watching MTV? Because this is not fucking funny. You got to take these teams seriously, man. You got to take these goddamn teams seriously. I would have been so stoked to have the Revival versus the Usos, but now you killed it because you think it's funny to make fun of the Revival and humiliate them just because they wouldn't sign a fucking contract. And some of the writers 
think Road Dog will eventually end up in AEW. There's news on that, and we'll touch on that, but let's get more backstage news on why Triple H has been frustrated with Vince McMahon. So Dave Meltzer, he confirmed the story. He said, um, Triple H is very frustrated by how things are going on the main roster. One of the big one person noted that the big problem is not that McMahon is not open to suggestions, but they think he's op- he's too open these days to suggestions, and it ends up watering down the original plans for storylines. Triple H picks his spots to talk with McMahon, but he rarely does it in front of anyone. Shane McMahon sometimes pitches ideas for himself, but his ideas rarely get used, and Stephanie McMahon has nothing to do with creative. Many people are wondering how McMahon will be when the XFL start. It's no secret that the WWE product is suffered, like I said, in 2001 because McMahon was working on the wrestling side and the football side at the same time. And if he does this again, this company is going to continue to fucking sink and there will be no saving them. Like, this, and CM Punk's words couldn't even come fucking true. This company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. And I don't wish death upon nobody. It would be better if Vince McMahon would just step the fuck down and pass it to Triple H and he could focus on the XFL while Triple H makes WWE better. That's all I'm trying to get out of here. Like, this was ridiculous, man. This is absolutely ridiculous. Now, speaking of Road Dog, where the hell is he? So, Dave Meltzer, he noted that Road Dog was feeling so much pressure as a co-head writer that he had a t- that he needed time off and it was... The story is that he took some time off with frust- after frustration with Vince McMahon. No shit. I would be frustrated if all my ideas were getting changed up. Now, writers will work long hours into the night and then have scripts rewritten on the day of the t- TV show. This happens often on Monday and Tuesday before they were about to go live on the USA Network. Now, Dave Meltzer, he also said that um, Road Dog will be working with Triple H. And that appears to be happening already as Road Dog has been posting photos from the Performance Center in Orlando. So, that's a good thing because if, and I I shit you not, if Road Dog left WWE, AEW would have scooped him up and you would have went to enemy territory right there. Right there. He would have joined Billy Gunn. He would have joined Billy Gunn. Anyway... But this is absolutely ridiculous. And, and you know what? I was watching, I was on Twitter and I looked at Catch Wrestling, at Cat, Catch Wrestling U, and I saw, and I'm about to rant on another one for a second, that the ratings are in a decline because Vince McMahon is pointing the blame at the women's division and Kofi's title run. Maybe Kofi's title run. And that's Vince and his fucking yes men. So you mean to fucking tell me. You mean to fucking tell me that you're blaming the women's division on a declining fucking ratings? You mean to tell me that you're blaming Kofi Kingston? Let's just take this report with a grain of salt and let's take it to believe it to be true. If you're telling me that you're telling me that Kofi's title reign is the reason why the ratings are down, maybe it's because if you were right fucking better television, then maybe we will talk. Maybe we will talk. The reason the ratings are down is staring right at you. It's Vince McMahon. And Solomon Monster said it fucking best. If you have a coach that has a losing streak with the team and the manager looks at it, the owner of the team will kick his ass out and find a better replacement so they can get their winning streak back up. Like, what type of bullshit is that? Like, I don't believe this one bit. And not only that, the women's division has been in a decline after WrestleMania, after Ronda left. And I know Ronda is missed, but you're 
like I said, you're overexposing Becky Lynch. Some of the women that I, you, the women's division should have been merged. And you're blaming Kofi? Kofi Kingston? The fuck, man? The fuck? Monday Night Raw. Let's talk about this, man. Because I want to get the fuck out of here. Because this, I'm starting to get pissed off right now. Monday Night Raw. Miz TV opened the show with Roman. Again, formulaic show where they have to have a mic in it. When they have to have mic in hand and cut promo for said match. Enough! Enough! I'm already tired of it. How about you just start the... Like, do you know how bland the shows have been starting? Welcome, everybody, to this city. Like, say, welcome to the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. And welcome to Monday Night Raw. No pyro, no entrant, no intro video, all that other stuff. It's just bland and generic, man. Bland and generic. And then the same could be said for SmackDown. Look at how NXT does it. It gets you fucking pumped up. So, okay, like I said, Miz TV started the show with Roman as the guest. And, like, I, I'm going to li- literally rush through every single one of them. And if I have to stop and say something, I have to say something. So, Shane came out, made a match between Bobby Lashley and Elias with still this damn wild card rule in a tag team match. Wow! How original! A fucking tag team match to get me excited for the show! Wow! Fuck that, man. Fuck that. This ended in a disqualification because Shane McMahon got involved. He attacked Roman and The Miz. And anyway, shape or form, uh, you have Mojo Rawley, like I said, being Apollo Crews in a boring-ass match. The crowd didn't even give a shit about it. I didn't give a shit about it, too. So, what the fuck? I don't care. We had a contract signing with Becky Two Belts with Lacey Evans and Charlotte Flair who look identical like they're sisters. They're twins. They're Vince McMahon's daughters. And of course, typical contract signing fashion. Becky gets put through a table. Lacey holds the Raw Women's title and Charlotte holds the SmackDown Women's title. And I want to mention this for a second. There was a notable botch from what I heard that Lacey signed the SmackDown Women's contract and... Charlotte signed the Raw Women's contract. So, Charlotte's challenging Becky for the Raw Women's title, and Lacey's Lacey's challenging Becky for the SmackDown Women's title? Wow. Wow. (laughs) Just wow. So, we had um, Baron Corbin beating Ricochet. I want to mention this. The ending, I love how how Baron Corbin transitioned Ricochet's... uh, Rana into the end of days. What that was nice, but I just did not like seeing Ricochet getting pinned. Cause I'm I'm a huge fan of Ricochet, by the way. Um, we had Nikki Cross replacing Alexa Bliss because she lost her luggage in the uh, the UK tape, and it was in the UK. So Nikki Cross she defeated Dana Brooke, Naomi, and Natalya. I was bored with that match. Dana she did a dive off a ladder, and. Nikki Cross pinned, I believe, Natalia. And out comes Alexa Bliss. She have You have Nikki Cross holding the uh, ladder, and Alexa Bliss climbs the ladder and grabs the briefcase, which means to me she ain't winning, but she's she's not going to be in the match anyway. Um, we had a really good match between Rey Mysterio and Cesaro. Any, anytime you put Cesaro in a ring with someone who is really good, you expect an instant, you expect a really good match. The Firefly Funhouse. 
it was really, really fun. I, I actually enjoy this, and this is why I watch Monday Night Raw, because of this. Bray Wyatt, he revealed the secret, and lo and behold, the secret is that is that that creepy mask that he had, and it was actually created by the director of Night of the Living Dead, for those who don't know, so that mask looks absolutely fantastic, and I have I have a huge love for, uh, for masks, whether it's from Japan or something very creative, but I have a huge love for creative mask, and I'm loving this reincarnation of Bray Wyatt. This is absolutely fantastic, and all they have to do is have the fucker win. Have him win. There is no way you can fuck this up, right? Right? There is no way in hell you can fuck this up. And of course, our main event, we had Sami Zayn versus Braun Strowman in a Fall Counts Anywhere match. Sami Zayn won because Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin uh, got rid, like, they got involved, it was a mess, that's the best way I could say it, it was a mess, and Sammy replaces Braun Strowman, who I heard Braun was gonna work that show hurt, and look, thankfully, they took precaution, that's all I could say, they took precaution to, uh, keep him out, but you don't want him to risk getting injured, but I've already, like, I just don't care about Braun Strowman right now, they did everything to, well, Vince, being Vince, he did everything to make me care less about Braun Strowman. Anyway, SmackDown Live, this show was fucking boring. So, Roman opens the show and has The Miz out as well. Again, I'm not going to stress this enough. Why the fuck do we have this wild card rule to the point where I just don't even give a shit? To the point where I just... Could care less. Am I watching Monday Night Smackdown on a Tuesday night? We're starting the show with Roman and Miz and Shane again. Am I watching the recap of Monday Night Raw? What the fuck am I watching? Be like, all I ask for Vince is to just be fucking creative, but he doesn't want to be creative. He doesn't want to listen to his own writers. He doesn't want to listen to his son and daughter and his son in law. He doesn't want to listen to the fans. So the more he keeps this up, the more this product is going to continue to suffer. We had, now, I'm trying to go through with this because this was nothing more than a video package show. We had Shane banning Miz from the arena during this match with uh, Elias, Brian, Rowan, who are SmackDown Tag Team Champions, but they don't have their belts. And I think they're getting those new titles made of wood. Kevin Dunn would be so proud. So we had the we had Rome. So we had the Fatal Four Way, which I thought was good. And Andrade he pinned Finn Balor, the Intercontinental Champion, to uh, win this match, and he got a little bit of momentum. So we had Andrade climbing the ladder, and out comes Ricochet, and he came like I said. He just out, I said out comes Ricochet. Out comes Ricochet. He uses this wild card rule and he uh, goes after Almas and grabs the briefcase, and which means to me that Ricochet ain't winning. We have we have Shane McMahon beating. We have the team of McMahon, Brian, Rowan, and Elias being the team of Reigns and the Usos. I could care less about that match to be quite honest. Then we have Oscar. And Kyrie Sane versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville with the Iconics on commentary. Now, this one got a little bit of an uproar because of their name, their tag team name. Apparently, their name is the Kabuki Warriors. I'm indifferent on this. 
Like, I don't, I, first time hearing it, I'm like, why would you call them the Kabuki Warriors? Can you be more, like, here's the thing. It's not as bad as the Viking Raiders, the Viking Experience, whatever the fuck you're calling them. But, as I'm, I'm just scratching my head. When I think of Kabuki Warriors, and as a gamer, because I am a gamer for those who don't know, as a gamer, I think of that shitty fighting game on the Xbox called Kabuki Warriors, which was so bad. One of the worst fighting games ever made. Now, Paige, she took to Twitter after after SmackDown went off the air. She said, to try and explain this, you know it was the girls who chose their name, right? Well, technically, they wanted Kabuki Girls, but it was changed to Kabuki Warriors. Chill. And Asuka, she, she took to Twitter, and she explained why it was called Kabuki Warriors. So, this is what she said. She said, Kabuki Mono... Sengoku or Edo period eccentric who has attracted public attention with their eye-catching clothes, which Oscar and Kyrie do wear. Peculiar hairstyle, which again, Oscar and Kyrie seem to do. And weird behavior. Need self-explanatory. So it kind of died down a little bit. It's, I'm gonna try and get used to it, but uh, of course, Oscar and Kyrie won. Mandy took the pen because she wanted to end the match, and that was just Mandy being cocky. That's what happens when you get cocky, and of course, the and, and I want to mention this. I said Alistair Black needs to stop doing these promos and actually wrestle, and most of you guys absolutely agreed with me 100%, because Alistair Black is a gold mine, man. He is a gold mine, and I, I just don't know why they have, like, I don't understand why you're reintroducing him when people could just watch NXT. That's all. That's all. And of course, the show ended with uh, Kofi and... KO, and of course, Sami Zayn came out and he attacked, he attacked uh, Kofi Kingston. And Kofi stood tall. So, well, all that out the way, let's get into Money in the Bank. It will take place at the XL Center in Hartsburg, Connecticut. Now, the match card, it looks good on paper, but like I said, the execution is the most important thing when it comes to a pay-per-view, when it comes to a big show. You have a good card, but you have to have the execution. So, we're going to start off with Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. And let me just say, man, you got Daniel Bryan, who was a former WWE champion, putting on excellent matches, and now he's relegated to the pre-show. Now, I can understand why they paired him up with Rowan as this tag team is because they don't want to risk... Um, Daniel Bryan getting injured because the latest injury pretty much was the reason why. And originally, Daniel Bryan was supposed to challenge Kofi for the WWE title to get his rematch, which rematch clauses are antiquated, or antiquated. But whatever. And the Usos, like I said, they're feuding with the Revival. So I could see Daniel Bryan and Rowan winning because the Revival cost the Usos the match. So that's what I'm picking. I'm going with Daniel Bryan and Rowan. We have the Cruiserweight... Becky, damn it, damn it, Jericho. <laughs> you know, I was watching Talk is Jericho. I was listening to Talk is Jericho, and he called every belt the Becky Lynch. <laughs> and now he's got me doing this. Now, for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, or the WWE Cruiserweight Becky Lynch in, Ch in Jericho's case, we have Arya Davari versus Tony Nese. I'm going with Tony Nese to retain the title. It's too early for him to drop it, and I don't see Arya Davari as a threat, but I think the match is going to be good. So I'm going with Davari to retain here. Um, we got the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. We have Natalia versus Dana Brooke versus Naomi versus Alexa Bliss versus, well, not Alexa Bliss, so let's throw her out because apparently she 
has been pulled and replaced by Nikki Cross versus Bailey versus Mandy Rose versus Ember Moon versus Carmella. Now, for the men, I'm going to do the same for the women. What we're going to do, we're going to have three separate winners. One being the main winner, one being the runner-up, and one being the wild card. So, like we do, process of elimination. Natalia, she ain't winning it. Dana Brooke, she has a long way to go. And as much as I respect her for being for working hard and trying to get better, she has a long way to go if she wants to reach that top of the mountain. And originally, I honestly think that role would have been for Sasha Banks. Has she not walked out? So, Dana Brooke has a long way to go, so that eliminates her. Nikki Cross would be fascinating, but she ain't winning it. And I don't see Naomi winning it as well. Um, for the SmackDown side, Carmella is not winning it, so it leaves me with three. Bailey, who has a different attitude, and that's what I like to see in Bailey. Mandy Rose, which is self-explanatory because she's blonde and attractive, and she's pretty okay in the ring. And my main pick would be Ember Moon. I'm going with Ember Moon as my main pick, but and I'm going with Mandy Rose as my runner-up, and my wild card is Bailey. But if you had to ask me who I would choose out of those three, it would be possibly Mandy Rose. It would possibly be Mandy Rose, and I could see a storyline with Mandy and Sonya, like the, um, you know, the situation with these two, they're going to possibly have an issue with each other, and bam, there's a storyline right there. So, but my main pick is Ember Moon, my runner-up is uh, Mandy Rose, and my wild card is Bailey. Steel cage match, we have The Miz versus Shane McMahon, this is typical W, this is typical Vince McMahon going 50-50 booking. I don't care about this match. I'm going with The Miz to win here. And it really doesn't make a lick of difference anyway. We got Roman Reigns versus Elias. They're going backwards with Roman Reigns. And I even mentioned this when I was writing on Wrestling Amino. I, I said that WWE is going backwards with Roman Reigns and making him win and being forced, forcing this babyface character down the fans' throat. This is Vince McMahon. WWE, hence Vince McMahon, is forcing Roman Reigns down the throats of the fans. So, this is not a pay-per-view worthy match. Not only that, this should be on. This should be on a random edition of SmackDown. And you're doing the Authority versus Roman again? Hell no, man. Like if I always say, Roman needs a reset. If you moved him to SmackDown, the best thing you would do is turn the guy. Heel. Can you imagine Roman Reigns as a heel? He would be one of the best things on SmackDown Live if he was a heel. I ain't betting against Reigns. Like I'm like who would like I would be surprised if Elias wins. Cause you might have the B team trying to get involved. B team, B team, go, go, go away. And you have Shane McMahon possibly getting involved. I don't care about this match. I'm going with Roman Reigns to win here. We have Lacey Evans versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Becky Lynch. Damn you, Jericho. <laughs> but, so, let's get the logic out here. So, Vince McMahon's logic is, if Lacey Evans makes her entrance every single month, every single week, and walks back to catering, and she comes and wrestles on the Raw after Mania, beats Natalya in a boring match, and not only that, that grants her a title shot? And number and another thing, she's too. It's too early to take the belt off of Becky Lynch. Not only and it's just, I I just don't understand why why not Ruby Riot? That would have been a legit challenge for uh, Becky Lynch. 
and it's gonna and the women's right is one of the worst finishing moves that I have ever seen. It is so bad, I literally cringe every time I look at it. I'm going with Becky Lynch, and I could see Lacey Evans laying out uh Charlotte. Fla- no, I'm about to say Charlotte Flair, laying out Becky Lynch, which gives Charlotte Flair the opportunity to pick the bones, which speaks of Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Now I could see Charlotte Flair winning the title here because I mean. You have Becky Lynch dating Seth Rollins is is really out there right now, and they want Becky Lynch to be on Raw, like, permanently. I could see that, but I'm going to go with Becky Lynch to retain here because she's going to be in the cover in 2K20, and she's probably not dropping that belt until SummerSlam. Well, one of the belts until SummerSlam. So, that's what I got. I'm going with uh, Becky Lynch to retain both belts. We have Samoa Joe, damn you. Jericho. We have Samoa Joe defending the United States title against Rey Mysterio. I am going with Samoa Joe. And the big factor will be Dominic because he is rumored to have signed to uh, WWE. I am leaning on Joe winning because his title reign right now is on the mess scale. And I honestly think both men are re- would really be better off without the Universal title because the Universal title is just eh. But the match would be good. The match would be good, but I'm going with Samoa Joe. We have Kofi Kingston defending the WWE title against Kevin Owens. I mean, it should be a good match. The best part about this build-up for this match was Kevin Owens' heel turn. That was the best part. The rest, I just didn't care. And there are times when I want Kofi to be serious. Now, you could continue to throw pancakes, but you're holding the WWE champion. You could have fun, but... You should get serious at times. Just saying. And I'm not bashing Kofi. I know I know he's great. He could put on a great match with anybody. But I'm going with... Uh, but let's be honest. This is going to be a good match. I'm kind of looking forward to it. But I think Kofi's going to retain here because it's too early. And I think he's doing great so far as WWE Champion in, in ring-wise. Because... He put on a great match with Daniel Bryan. He put on a great match with AJ Styles and Sami Zayn. So, I'm going with Kofi to retain here. We have AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins for the Universal title. I got to give amends to WWE here that they showed the footage of them wrestling in NWA in 2006. And this is a dream match that's really in the making in a WWE ring. I just hope they don't fuck this up. But... I'm going with Seth Rollins, and AJ, he's probably going to be... I don't know what they're going to do with AJ Styles, to be quite honest. And of course, the match that I think is going to close the show is the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match. You got Ricochet, or Ricochet, according to Jericho, versus Drew McIntyre, versus Baron Corbin, versus Sami Zayn, versus Mustafa Ali, versus Andrade Cien Almas, versus Finn Balor, versus Randy Orton. So, process of elimination, same way as the women... Um, Baron Corbin ain't winning it because I'm hearing rumors that he's going to be feuding with Seth Rollins for the, uh, universal title. Spare me. And speaking of Corbin, I heard that he got a new attire and he got all that, uh, that GM, uh, vest and he got a different shirt. Finally, my prayers have been answered. Ricochet ain't winning it because I, like I said, in the go home show, he grabbed the briefcase on SmackDown and he's not going to walk out. Mr. Money in the Bank, even though he will be doing some crazy shit in the match, which I'm looking forward to. Um, 
Sami Zayn would be interesting, but I don't think he's winning it. And I don't see Randy Orton winning it. And most definitely, I don't see Finn Balor winning it because he's the Intercontinental Champion when he could just be defending the title with Andrade Cien Almas, who was my second pick. Spoiler, he's my second pick. So let me just get it out the way. Almas is my second pick because I would like to see Zelina Vega hold the briefcase while Andrade does all the work in the ring. And not only that, if all you had to do, in my honest opinion, what you could have done, you could have had Finn Balor defend the uh, IC title against Andrade Cien Almas, and you could have saved two slots for Nakamura, for Rusev, for Buddy Murphy. Where the fuck is Buddy Murphy? Or an Alistair Black. Just saying. Just saying. And my wild card is Mustafa Ali. And I think people should not sleep on Mustafa Ali. The dude is fucking incredible. He is absolutely a beast to watch, and he makes every match feel important. And he's one of the best sellers that I've ever seen in professional wrestling right now. But my main pick goes to Drew McIntyre. I think WWE is realizing that they fucked up twice with the Money in the Bank with Braun Strowman and Baron Corman. They want to make a legit star, so why not do it with ben- why not do it with uh, Drew McIntyre? And lo and behold. You got yourself a winner right here. Sorry, my snap was terrible. Yeah. So, I'm going with uh, Drew McIntyre to win here. I'm going with Andrade Cien Almas as my runner-up. And my wild card is Mustafa Ali. So, that's my predictions for uh, Money in the Bank. NXT, let's talk about NXT. The best part of the, about WWE. Killian Dane made his return to NXT. I am so happy. You got Alexander Wolf on NXT UK. You got Killian Dane on NXT. Nikki Cross is pretty much on Raw. And I don't know what they're doing with Eric Young. He's wasting away. At this point, you might just let him you might as well let him go. You might as well let him go. Cause he is ser- he's seriously wasting away on the main roster. Now there's a new signing according to Square Circle Siren. And it reports that Rita Riez signed a developmental contract with the company, and she participated in a tryout in the South American tryout in Chile. And apparently she's impressed people in her background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which she became a champion in 2017, in the world champion in Abu Dhabi. So we might be seeing her in a possible third annual May Young Classic. But NXT, man, NXT was good, as always. They always consist of putting on a great show. The War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe, who? The Viking Raiders? What What was that? The Viking Raiders? No, 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 no. Then no, no, no. throw that, hit a home run out of the park. It's the War Raiders. Thank you very much. So the War Raiders came out. They called out Mr. Regal, and they want to vacate the titles. Now, out came the Street Profits. Out came the Street Profits. And I love this little jab that Montez Ford said to uh, the War Raiders. They like they were the Viking Raiders and said, "If that is your real tech, little Yvonne Eric, if that is your real name, I LOL'd at that." Now, during the match, now, no, 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 I'm trying to think here. So Hanson said, "Make the match with him with the War Raiders and the Street Profits for the NXT Tag Titles," and the match was the main event. So it was made official. So during another segment, we had William Regal 
No, no, no. We had Kathy Kelly interviewing the Undisputed Era, and there was a commotion backstage. And you, out of a, out of nowhere, you see Roderick Strong walking with Matt Riddle's flipper that was covered in blood. Looks like ketchup stains to be exact, but it's blood. Blood is blood. So, we. So they took. So he want to say, you know what? You're right. So Matt Riddle, I took care of the problem, and now he's back in Undisputed Era. And like I said, everything is fine. Everything is all fine and peachy keen. Keith Lee made his return, and I love it when the crowd was singing, basking his glory into the beat with his theme. And Keith Lee, I absolutely like this guy. The dude is a beast. He has a he has top star in the making. If Vince McMahon books him right, if WWE being Vince McMahon books him right, but Triple H he sees something in Keith Lee. And get this, and I heard this idea from JD from New York, and this was a great idea. What if you had Keith Lee beat Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship, and out comes Dominic Dijakovic? You have a few that's never finished. You have a few that I want to see, because their match in PWG was absolutely fantastic. Why not? We uh, So, Keith Lee, he made his return. He beat Cesar Bononi. Um, they showed the package. They showed what happened last week. When Io Shirai attacked Shayna Baszler and the match is official at TakeOver. And we had Kushida, love his entrance, taking on Kona Reeves, who has a really nice theme. So Kushida beat uh, Kona Reeves. And the big talking point in this match was Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak was there scouting his opponent being Kushida. And if this is a TakeOver match, take my money, man. Take my money, because that would be absolutely fantastic. We have Vanessa Bourne. No, no, before this match, Bianca Belair, and I, I absolutely love it when Bianca does this. She literally dragged Kathy Kelly to Regal's office. Like, she wanted to know when she was going to get her title shot. And out comes Mia Yim. Out comes Mia Yim. She comes out and is like, girl, uh-uh, I know you're not trying to get your, weasel your way to a title shot. And, like, and Mia Yim, she's like, like, I didn't ask Regal for a title shot. I want a rematch with you because you took the easy way out. So we're getting a rematch, and I love this mini feud with Bianca and Mia Yim. So let's see what happens here. So Vanessa Bourne, she defeated Jesse. You may remember her as Jesse Alaban in the second May Young Classic. And now main event, the match which the Street Profits and the War Raiders ended in a no contest. I think one of the highlights, Montez Ford is a fucking beast. His, um... Frog Splash, the way he elevates it is so fucking awesome. Like, I, I see big potential in Montez Ford as a singles competitor, but he makes the Street Profits feel so important. And and also, it's official that the NXT tag titles have been vacated since Vince McMahon wanted to call up the War Raiders when you could have just kept them on NXT, just saying. And now we're dealing with a dilemma. So who's going to be the... NXT Tag Team Champions. I'm going with the Street Profits because they've held they've held Golden Evolve. They held the Evolve Tag Team titles for 134 days, a really great reign, and it was a practice run. That's what I saw it as, a practice run, and I think they're ready for it. So if there's something planned for a Takeover, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So, um. I did the winner of Dream Match Tuesday with the Revival and the Young Bucks, and most of you guys picked the Revival, but if it was me, the Young Bucks will win anyway. But uh, I want to do something different to close out the show. 
Now, if the May Young Classic is a thing, I want to do like what Solomonster does. He has a top 10, but he does 10 every episode. Like, so I want to list the women that I think would be perfect in the May Young Classic. So it's going to be in no order. So the women I pick, I mean, that's on you. I mean, that's on you if you agree with me or not. So let's start off with number 10. So number 10 in my pick is... Is doesn't need no introduction. She's been wrestling for 20 plus years. She hasn't been on WWE. She hasn't worked in any WWE. She was the first person I interviewed. I met a really nice person. That is Lufisto. I'm going with Lufisto. I think that would be a nice get for the uh, May Young Classic Tournament because she is on this retirement tour. Her her wrestling career doesn't end until the end of 2019. And what better way to have her wrestle in WWE? That would be nice, you know? And not only that, she's absolutely incredible. She's really, really... Inc- like, I just can't put it in words. She's really a really nice person who knows the wrestling business. And she just... Like, when you talk to her, because trust me, when I interviewed her, she was absolutely incredible. So, I could see Lufisto being in this tournament as a way. And, like, there's a petition. There's a petition to get Lufisto in the Mae Young Classic this year if this happens. And hopefully, I hope it happens because Lufisto should be in it. And that would be a nice bucket list for her to compete in a WWE ring. Bang. Even if she doesn't go far, I could see her making it to the semifinals or the quarterfinals because you got a veteran who's been wrestling for 20-plus years. And we're going to end it with here. I want to thank you guys so much. I'm absolutely exhausted right now. That rant really did it in for me. And like I say, continue to support this podcast. Let the world know that No One's Ready for Wrestling is the up-and-coming podcast here in the wrestling community. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, you guys know the drill. Follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. Follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. Like the Facebook page. And I was, and I think I might be recording Friday because I want to get my thoughts about Double or Nothing sat, next Saturday So during the show. So, so just an early announcement. I might record Friday. Keyword might. I might record Friday and... Uh, and I'll post it possibly on Saturday, and then I'll do my thoughts and reaction, the Fallout review for uh, for Double or Nothing, because I want my full thoughts. I want to watch the show with an eagle's eye, just to give y'all that quick heads up. So I want to thank you guys so much. I'm going to go rest my voice now, because it, it might be gone by tomorrow. I don't give a shit. I'm doing this because I'm passionate, and I'm and I love what I'm doing here, and... I want to say thank you guys. Take care. Be safe. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a blessed day. God bless.